When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Well, we're just about two weeks into the NBA season. Standings are shifting a little bit. We've got a couple things headed towards a dramatic start. We have really, really fiery teams. We have some new rules affecting the games. Scores are down. Percentages are down. Looks like defense is stepping right back up. Our top players are struggling from the field. It's really weird. Got some folks that are growing up, too, really quickly as far as this rookie class goes. That's what I'm going to start it off with. But before we take off, what's up, guys? Keep it in 94. Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. Brought to you, of course, by the BasketballNews.com podcast network. More action on tap this week in the association. Looking forward to it. What's up, Brian? I thought that as a member of the basketballnews.com staff that you were obligated to start the podcast off by talking about OG Ananobi and his big game he had for the Raptors. The other we're night. going to get there. We're going to get there. And you know what? Nikaias Duncan, uh, our very own Nikaias Duncan, did an excellent breakdown about his game in New York. Uh, really a star breakout type of performance against the, the Knicks who were at the top of the conference. Uh, on their home turf at Madison Square Garden. So we will talk about that. But I have to talk about this because it was the last thing I watched, and we're recording this right at uh, the start of the tip-off of the Tuesday night games, uh, 7 o'clock on a Tuesday night. But the last thing I watched was the Clippers taking on the Thunder. And never mind the Clippers' issues. I'm sure we'll get into that as well uh, as we talk about uh, this game. But particularly for me, paying attention closely... I am so excited about this rookie class, as I mentioned in the open. But Josh Giddy, for him to be as young as he is, to be as calm, cool, and collected in those moments, even though they lost, that's because PG went nuclear, and it was really fun to watch that. But just to see how composed he was, the Clippers were taking away his spots in the first half. It was really tough on him. He wasn't turning the ball over, but you could tell he was just a little bit flustered. But he just came back in that second half and played his game and took what the defense gave him. He still ended up with a great line. He was hitting shots in the clutch. He he was getting his, his lanes taken away. So what do you do? He started pulling up from mid-range, and he started hitting mid-rangers. And then he started finding his teammates, grabbing boards, picking away steals, stripping PG. 
in the fourth quarter, even at that. Had a couple of blocks. He's going to be special. He's, he's fun. And, you know, we talk over and over again about OKC and, like, do they actually have a plan? Is Shea long for that place? By the way, Shea had an excellent game as well. But when you just look at the individual talent of, of Josh Giddy and the poise, I think uh, you got something really fun to look forward to there as, as a, this point guard, point forward. Yeah, he's got to probably put some pounds on. But that National Basketball League, that NBL experience with the Adelaide 36ers over in Australia does guys wonders. I mean, you can see it too with LaMelo Ball. RJ Hampton's looked good before. Playing with grown men really helps. He's also played the sport for a little while now, but I think that Giddy, he could definitely put himself in the conversation uh, for these top rookies. I mean, you obviously have Evan Mobley with the Cavs. You have Scotty Barnes with the Raptors. Franz Wagner just went off against the, the Timberwolves with an amazing performance. Dunked on three different dudes uh, on the road at Minnesota. I mean, that, that, the Chris Duarte on the Pacers is already one of their top scorers. Like, this, this class is really fun. But uh, just particularly with Giddy, because I watched him uh, at, at Staples Center, I just came away very impressed. And it's nothing new to me. I mean, I did a pre-draft profile on him, talked to Chris Ebersol at the NBA Academy. who's was really close to him. He was talking him up, and, and rightfully so. But just to see it this soon against, uh, uh, you know, an all-star a superstar like, Paul George kind of going uh, tick for tack. It's really impressive to me. It has been because remember, this is a guy too, that when he went in the draft, I think a lot of people were high on giddy, but there were still questions about like, how high was he going to go? And when the thunder, you know, fell out of the top three and they ended up at number six, there was, you know, people were talking about a lot of different names and then Giddy's name started coming up and people were like, is he really going to go that high? And where does he really fit? You know, when it comes to kind of their, you know, their project of, of building this team, but they took him and they believed in him. Uh, he was 18 at the time. He literally just turned 19 less than a month ago. And like you said, you've seen this guy in game so far. The moments don't look too big for Josh Giddy. He fits in. There's a little bit of a calmness about him. You know, you could see the playmaking ability he has and the way he's able to get teammates involved. He's got a little bit of a motor on him and you know, with that size as well, he's at six eight. He's going to put on some more weight. You know, he's about just over two hundred pounds right now, so he'll be able to take contact a little bit better. But he's really smooth, and it doesn't seem like the game gets out ahead of him too much. No, not at all. And I think that playing with guys that are similarly like in a position with him, like you know, a Darius Baisley who took pretty much every shot possible in that game against the Clippers. I was watching him. He was so in attack, but somebody told him that he had the, the green, green light because he was attacking. He was shooting threes. I don't know how many attempts he had. I don't have the box score in front of he me. He was but channeling Russell Westbrook's time with the Thunder. My goodness. Uh, and that actually ended up hurting them um, as far as the turnovers went in the, in the second half. But um, you know, developing along with a guy like Baisley, you have Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who's getting playing time there. You know, Shea Gilgis Alexander, for as good as he is, is still in his early 20s. Like, you know, he's playing with similar aged guys so they can all grow together. Now, do all of them end up staying there? Probably not, because it, it fiscally it probably doesn't work out. But uh, I, I think uh, for his his development individually, 
uh, to be playing with, with, with guys that are his own age and that are in the same page and that are kind of, you know, putting this chemistry together with each other. I think it's really good for him. Uh, by the way, you mentioned the magic and you mentioned Franz Wagner. He has looked spectacular and all the attention when it came to the magic and the draft went towards Jalen Suggs with him falling to the magic and rightfully so because he went earlier. But you look at Suggs, he struggled a little bit so far. I think he's still adapting to the speed of the game, the physicality. This is a guy that played physical ball in college and there's definitely adjustment when it comes to the NBA because you're playing against grown-ass men now. So it's a little bit different sometimes. But people weren't talking that much about Franz Wagner and this dude is really picking up his play. You know, and there was a joke even about like, here go the magic, taking another big, you know, and he's delivered so far. And you mentioned that game against the Timberwolves the other night. Dude put up 28 points. Uh, he's he's the guy that's really standing out, you know, when it comes to you know the magic's rookie so far. Yeah, and you know, it's it's funny because like I was looking at Franz. Franz was the prospect that I studied the least. I watched, you know, quite a bit of him at Michigan because, you know, I tuned into Ohio State basketball from time to time. Uh, But it's just one of those things where I saw him. I was like, yeah, he could be a good glue guy in the league. Like, and I, you know, continue to have that opinion. And then I just see him just take over this game on the road. And I was like, well, maybe there's something more there because he's just kind of got that tweener-ish size to him. He can handle the ball. He can grab some rebounds. Uh, You know, he's obviously a solid passer. Defensively, he's got length. You know, he's already showing signs that maybe he's more than than what uh, he was showing in college. And he wasn't dependent on as much in college to be that, like, number one guy uh, in a sense. So we'll see where that goes. But it's a pleasant surprise, I'm sure, uh, to a lot of the fans in Orlando. Because, I mean, if you have two guys that you took in the top, what was it? Top eight um, in Jalen Suggs and Franz Wagner and both of them pan out, then you're in a good spot. Yeah. And, and I think people thought like, well, Suggs is going to be the guy that can contribute immediately. And it's going to be Wagner. That's a little bit of the guy that's going to take more time, but I mean, rookies are always going to take time or typically do so far. It's been the other way around for them. And by the way, Cole Anthony is sitting going, Hey, uh, Everybody I had 31 Suggs. points last night. Talk about me. Yeah, every, I mean, every, everybody was going in the season like, hey, that was a nice little season you had last year, Cole Anthony. But you know what? There's a reason why the Magic are going to take Jalen Suggs after he fell to him, and he's going to be the guy that's taking those minutes. And Anthony is coming into the season and kind of taking it like a chip on his shoulder. And Oh, yeah. He's you drafted somebody in my well. position? You drafted someone in my position? Then I'm going to just take it and run with it. I am going to play my ass off. I am going to attack with reckless abandon. I'm going to pass the ball. I'm going to be a team player, but I'm going to get mine. I'm going to go out there and show you what I'm capable of. And, you can and he's bet doing that, it. You can bet that his dad had a conversation with him in the offseason going, son, you might, you know, here's how you get them back. That's for, what being a pro means. Right. Like I've been having somebody like his dad to lead on and say, hey, I've, I've been through this, too, because, I mean, Greg Anthony was not a star player in the NBA, but he was a good NBA rotation player, you know, and, and he had some moments. And I can imagine he go to his son going, hey, you know what? They want to draft a guy in your position. Here's how you get it back. You focus on your game. You work on it. You get even better. And you go out there and you play hard each and every night and you show them why you should be getting that playing time. And you know what? And, and credit to Jamal Mosley, too, because he's found to put a, a place to put him in a position that's 
that's successful for him. And that's with a lot of, uh, you know, smaller lineups uh, that, that'll have a lot of those guards that we're talking about because they have such an awkward roster. But I mean, these are not numbers to, to just say, oh, whatever. He's averaging damn near 20 points, almost eight rebounds a game and six assists uh, and shooting 44.6% from deep. So that's pretty crazy, especially when the volume is seven shots a game from deep. So, you know, keep an eye on Cole Anthony because this is like most improved player conversation-y here right now. Uh, now it depends on where the, the Magic sit, obviously, um, in the standings. And, you know, they, they're only two and six. And, you know, that's obviously something that's probably going to be the case this year, as is with the, the teams that we've talked about. Detroit's in the same boat. And, you know, Cade Cunningham made his debut this past weekend. Uh, obviously, he was not uh, in the best of, you know, shape. And he had obviously coming off of an injury. It's not easy. Um, he'll be playing, you know, more and more as the season goes along. So I'm not going to even come close to trying to, you know, make a, a judgment on him. Uh, but I mean, I just kind of want to stick on this rookie class because they're so fun. Like, I, I I love the you know the the, the Rockets guys. You know, like Jalen Green is he's boomer bust right now, and that kind of felt like how he would be. Uh, but damn it, he's gonna get his shots. He will get his shots up no matter what. Uh, it's just the type of player he is. Um, he is somebody who is not afraid uh, to shoot the ball, not afraid to mix it up inside. Um, you know, he's, he's had a couple of really, really, you know, big performances so far. He obviously struggled against the Lakers, uh, in the first part, uh, obviously by the time this podcast uh, is out that we will not know what happens in the second leg of that, um, series. But at the same time, I, I like what I see out of him. I like Alperin Shangun. Shangun's fun to me, man. I like his footwork. I like his, um, you know, ability to rebound. I think that there's something there. Uh, this is, you know, another you know, one of these these kind of diamond in the rough maybe pickups uh, for a team like this. He's active defensively. Um, you know, I, I feel like those two, we still don't know what we got out of, out of uh, you know, Josh, uh, Christopher. Uh, you know, obviously he's got a ton of potential. Uh, Jacob, of course, as he's known, but he hasn't really seen too much action. But, I mean, those are, that, that's the young, you know, trio for the, the Rockets, Usman Garuba. Uh, th- those guys still haven't gotten any playing time, but you know, those are just even some names that haven't gotten time. We haven't talked about Herb Jones, who's a starter for the Pelicans right now. Um, and we'll even see more, you know, of this action as Zion Williamson continues to be on the mend. Uh, Brandon Ingram's out for the game, uh, Tuesday, so he'll probably have to, you know, be uh, somebody that plays over 30 minutes a night while those guys get hurt. Um, and already is somebody that they really depend on one of the best defenders, in my opinion, already individually on the perimeter, uh, Herb Jones. And that's a second round pick. Um, you know, the, this rookie class is really fun is basically what I'm trying to get to. It is. In, uh, there's been some guys like you could see the talent there. It's just kind of slowing down, putting it together. I How about him coming in, hitting big shots for the bulls against the Celtics. And we're going to get to that game. Don't yeah. worry. I mean, you have IO, you've got, um, you know, you, your boy, Austin Reeves coming in and put, get putting in solid minutes for the Lakers, uh, on that same Pelicans team that I was talking about with Herb Jones, they have Trey Murphy. Like these are guys that are providing solid minutes and, and coming in and, and looking ready to, to play the part. 
you mentioned the Pelicans. So let's talk about one of their other younger guys. And you mentioned Zion. So the word came out now that uh, he's still several weeks away, at least. Um, they said he will remain sidelined for at least another two to three weeks. He's progressing to do on the court work, said uh, <laughs> Willie Green. Not playing five on five competitively, cutting, doing explosive work, getting closer and closer. I would be shocked to see him in two to three weeks. I, think I was going to say, do we see do we see Zion on Christmas? Does he like come back by Christmas? I don't Maybe. know if they have a Christmas game or not. I, I don't. I'd have to look. Yeah, either. but I mean that to me that's got to be the target date at this point. That's because- more realistic to me. Honestly, is is a month and a half. Can I throw one out here? That's a wild one. It sounds wild when you first think about it, but tell me what you think. Who do we see back first on the court? Zion Williamson or Clay Thompson? I knew you were going to ask that. I'm still going to err on the side of Zion. I'd still because the Warriors are doing fine. The Warriors are doing fine without Clay, right? I think they can bring him along nice and slowly. The Pelicans are like they. I don't want to say it because it's like November 2nd. They're a mess. But they're taking on water, dude. They're taking on water. I told you this was going to happen, man. I, I told you. I mean, you could see this a mile away. And here's this the other- is why you picked Sacramento. I see. I yeah. See. Yeah. I mean, hey, I'm I'm also the person that said, you know, we always look for a star to be traded in the season. I said Brandon Ingram. But when you look at Zion, here's the other problem, too. OK, he is their franchise right now. And they know they're still a couple of years away. So they want to take their time with him. He's got, you know, a history of injuries when it comes to his lower body. So they got to be careful about that. Plus, on top of that, he's out of shape. He has got to lose some weight because this injury that he had did not allow him to work out. And I don't know what else happened. I'm not going to, like, throw that out there. Who knows? But we all know, regardless of the situation, he's overweight. And the last thing that you want to do is rush him out there and you say, okay, his leg is fine. Everything is fine with the injury. He's fine. I can see him moving. But if he's still overweight, do you really want to chance it and throw him out there because he's going to be more susceptible to an injury at that point? I think we've seen that. And they they might be like, okay, he's healthy. He's moving fine. But I don't want to throw him out there until he gets his weight down to a certain point because otherwise – it's going to be a risk of him getting re-injured because of that weight. Yeah, no, and and it's a lot. It's a lot to come down on your legs and and, and whatever you know, knee and, injuries. And he's not he's like ankle and, injuries. He's not a seven foot guy that's weighing 280, 290, 300 pounds, whatever it is. You're talking about a guy that what is he six seven? He's in that range by yeah. an inch either way. So it's just like that that. That's just a lot of weight on that. I mean, people have, I know some people pointed out these pictures from, you know, his college days at Duke and going, this is what, this is the Zion we need to see again because he was still freaking yoked. I mean, there's still a ton of muscle there. I mean, he's just as strong like a bull. But, you know, we've seen, you know, because of injuries and whatnot, that weight has become a factor. And he's got to find a way to, Keep that weight off, I think, and play a little slimmer like what we saw in college just to help him, you know, so he can move around and hopefully that can help when it comes to him staying clear of injuries. Yeah, I mean, and and it is, it is, it's got, you got to sound some sort of bell here. 
when, when you're looking at this situation and it's not even like trying to pick on the kid. It's, it's literally yeah. just about him. Like if he wants to have the career that we know he can have, then you got to bring him along slowly, but you also have to have some commitment on, on his end to uh, really get himself into shape and, and come back stronger than you're supposed to have. Like, I think that, that's, that's all that's we want to see is we want to see Zion healthy and playing basketball because we know he's a very talented guy and we want to see him out there on the court. And that's where we're at now. It's just, it's gotta be frustrating for him. It's frustrating for everybody else, you know, to see him go through this. And it's just like, this dude, when he's, when he's healthy and he's right, man, he is awesome to watch. And that's where we're all at right now is just, we want to see a great, great basketball player out there playing great basketball. No question. No question. Before we get to what's next, I want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. They're our newest partner for Daily Fantasy Sports on basketballnews.com. All users that deposit and use the promo code NEWS on Prize Picks will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So make sure to sign up there at prizepicks.com. Brian, I'm a better man and knowing that Brandon Ingram is out for the Pelicans, we know that Zion Williamson is out for the Pelicans. A lot of that action is going to Jonas Valanciunas. So I don't know what the numbers are. I would have to look on pricepicks.com, but I'm saying this right now. I would take his over on the points. I would take his over on the rebounds. As far as player props are concerned, that would be my lock, especially knowing that those players are out and the type of production that Jonas Valanciunas has had so far. Well, I know how much you're a betting man. So I... I am going to always side with you when it comes to that because you love your bets. I do. And it's funny. I said, if I were a betting man, as if I'm innocent and I'm this goody two shoes when I am playing daily fantasy sports all the time. So once again, guys, go to prizepicks.com, sign up with the promo code news and you will get 100% instant deposit matched up to $100. Okay. So let's talk about OGN and Obi. Because he came out and had one hell of a game against the Knicks. Um, it's one of those things where he had a little bit of a shaky start to the season, probably because of what weight was on him and knowing that, you know, Fred Van Vliet was struggling from the field and, you know, turning the ball over. Like, this was a guy that knows how much of the offensive load is going to be on him. And last night was a perfect example of what he can bring to the table maybe not on a daily basis like that's tough obviously to have that type of production but coming out had 36 points six boards he didn't even make that many threes he didn't even shoot well but he went 13 to 27 from the field got to the line he was six to seven a plus 15 if you're into the plus minus thing it's big and you know what the the raptors are starting to figure it out they've won four in a row i mean i know that they've played not the greatest teams indiana's kind of struggling along the way here. They did beat the Spurs. So Rick, Carl- Rick Carlisle got a little bit of a reprieve uh, after that 113-118 win on Monday. But they have won four in a row, beating Indiana twice, beating the Magic, and then they went into New York and won by nine. So that's significant. That's very significant to me, uh, showing that the Raptors will have, have some life here. Uh, by the way, it, not to keep going back to the rookie thing, but watch Delano Banton. Delano Banton's fun, man. I like him. He's just like weirdly tall point guard that's backing up Fred Van Vliet. And he's kind of won that trust to have him in over Malachi Flynn. 
Malachi Flynn hasn't been playing like at all this year for Nick Nurse. So keep an eye on that. But I like Delano Banton. He's he's an interesting, interesting prospect and player. Um, but not only did they really go solid. into New York and win that game, but Scotty Barnes did not play. And Barnes has played great so far this season as well. Yeah, he had he had a, a bum ankle, I think. Yeah, and he's probably going to miss the game next game as well. But yeah. you can see the Raptors, you know, starting to put it together. And you know what? Here's the thing: I think we're gonna we're gonna be saying over and over for a little while now. Um, is we're gonna be talking about the schedule. Like we're starting to get a sample size of teams because most teams have played you know six seven games so far, and you know you, you probably don't really can't read a team until you get to like 12, 15 games or whatnot. But right now the schedule seems light for a lot of teams because you sit there and go, okay, have they really played a tough schedule? And I feel like we're going to be saying that a lot because I think there's a lot of teams that played a light schedule. And I think there's a lot of bad teams out there, which is something we talked about last week. It's just, we got to let it filter out. A couple teams are probably going to, you know, they'll get better as the season goes on. You know, they'll start shooting better. The chemistry will get better. They'll improve, you know, but I mean, they're, to start off the season, I mean, there's definitely been some really bad teams, especially when it comes to defense, you know, um, there's a lot of points that are being scored right now, you know, around the league. I think, I think offenses are getting out ahead a little bit, but, uh, let's see if the defenses can catch up. But I mean, we've got four teams right now that have only won one game and we've got another six teams that have only won two games. So, yeah. I mean, but it's early on in the season. So, I mean, schedules, you start looking at them and it, it, it's still kind of tough to tell you, like, is this team like really bad or are they just struggling right now and they'll kind of get it together a little bit more? Possibly. One of those struggling teams we got to get into is Boston, man. There's some, some weird things happening over there. So it's kind of the more the stay, things stay the same or what's the, what's the idiom? I'm going to start talking. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Thank you. Thank you. I could not spit that out for some reason, but yes, I almost that. screwed it up myself and I caught myself. Yep. I was just totally just, blah, blah, blah. but anyways, uh, Marcus smart came out last night publicly, which was very interesting because the Celtics, they're not known for like drama. You know, the Celtics are really well, you know, disciplined and professional all the Keep time. Things in house, all that. Yeah. 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 Especially with Brad Stevens. But last night we, we heard something different. We heard, Marcus Smart come out and talk about their late game offense because story is here. <laughs> the, the bulls outscored them in the fourth quarter by an incredible margin, incredible margin. Do you know, do you know how much they scored? <laughs> outscored them 28 by? points. I believe it was. I mean, dude, it was 39 to 11 in the fourth and they won by 14 points which means that the Boston Celtics had a lead going into that. They're, I have no idea what's going on with them, what, why they can't keep leads and why these things keep happening. It, 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 they get into this like hero ball shell, if you will. And it does start with Jason Tatum. And then it also you know, trickles over to Jalen Brown as talented as they are. And, you know, people thought that there would be this kind of struggle with, without a point guard. Right. But we do see Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have the ball in their hands a lot. Schroeder's not the guy that set guys up, but get this. 
And I learned this on Ethan Fuller's sour rankings this week. Jason Tatum is averaging 25.7 points. Good. Good. He is also averaging 24.6 field goal attempts. Not great. Not great. Shooting 39% from the field, 27% from beyond the arc. Defense, not great at all. It's really weird. I don't know what's the issue. Jason Tatum's obviously still like all worldly. But I mean, I feel like the volume can take a step back a little bit. Maybe share the ball. Marcus Smart is not the one that should be coming out and saying, get me involved, quit putting me in the corner. But he may have a point as far as the lack of movement. And it's something we saw last year too. Well, I think it goes to how serious of an issue this is in that he typically would not speak out kind of being like a, I don't know if you want to say self-appointed team captain or spokesperson. And the reason why for some of this is because Jason Tatum, who is the best player on the Celtics in most people's eyes is not very vocal. And Jalen Brown really isn't that vocal of a guy either. But Marcus Smart has gotten to a point where he says, somebody's got to say something, you know? And I mean, to, to go public with it, I think it tells you a lot. And this is, like you said, this is not a new problem. This is something that they went through last year. They're going through again this year. People thought like, okay, they've had these problems. You know, we knew they were in some kind of a funk, you know, last year. You bring in a new coach in, you know, Emi Adoka, and he's going to run the offense a little bit differently. Things are a little bit wonky from the standpoint that they don't have a traditional point guard because they're starting Marcus. They got Schroeder off the bench and he's not going to, he's a shoot first guy. And, and maybe that is part of the problem, but this whole issue when it comes to Tatum and Brown, not passing the ball, this is not something that is new. This is something that, you know, regardless of, you know, who's running point that you thought maybe they would be working on. Maybe something would be different. They'd have a little bit more of a, you know, motion offense. And we have not seen that so far. And this problem has manifested into the slow start where they're what, two and six to start the season. I'm so, I'm so confused and though, then, because they you bring in a that, new coach. You've got two star players having this much trouble. Plus on top of that, like, they're having problems defensively as well, especially, you know, late in games. And if this continues, all it's going to do is get people to start the conversation, like really have the conversation. It's kind of been like poked out there and thrown out there a little bit, but nobody's really gone into a deep dive onto this. But people are going to start bringing up like, can Tatum and Brown really play together? And the Celtics do not want to split these guys up. Fans in Boston do not want to split these guys up because they love these guys. They like that they're the, like the homegrown guys. They got drafted. They played together. And they want to see them succeed together, especially after the early success this team had. But they almost went to the NBA finals early on in their career. And they're like, why can't we get back to that? And that's what they want to see because they're both very talented. But if these struggles continue and you can't see them playing better to where it's translating into wins, Something's going to have to change, whether it's one of them, you know, going on to another team and then looking at possibly making a move or somewhere else on that roster, something has to change. And I don't know if that's going to, 
you know, help when it comes to the way that those two guys play off each other and play off the rest of the team. But something just isn't right so far. We thought it was going to be corrected in the offseason with a new coach and a little bit of a new offense, and that just hasn't happened yet. Leave the listeners with this. The Celtics are fifth in NBA in ISO ball frequency and 27th in points per possession. Now, in the last four years, each of the last four years, they have been in the top 10 in ISO frequency and bottom 10 in points per possession in three of those. So it's not anything new. Carmelo Anthony is giving them a standing ovation right now. (laughs) Oh, God. What about the other team, though? How about the Bulls? Coming into Boston, putting on a show. I mean, they they have been. And, you know, and that was DeMar DeRozan putting on a show there. Yes, it was. You know what the funny thing is? Is like, we've seen DeMar. He's been in this league for a while. Maybe he didn't get the attention that he should have because he was in San Antonio, which is not, you know, a glamour franchise. And plus, they've struggled the last couple of years and whatnot. I feel like I wrote about DeMar more than anybody else. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> you, but DeMar so far, man, I mean, it's just like, wow. You know, people are talking about he's getting a little bit older, you know, he's really going to put up the same kind of numbers. He's putting up better numbers. He is putting up better numbers than we saw with San Antonio. Like, he's coming here and says, hey, I people questioning, like, what I have left in the tank or how, why did I get this contract and whatnot. And this guy's the certified leader of the Bulls. Like, he's the go-to option on offense. He's been delivering so far. You know, he helped guide that comeback win, you know, like you said, on Monday night. You know, he put up, what, 37 in that game. He's averaging 26. I mean, he's looked great so far. And then, yes. you know, we've, you know, and, and this is a Bulls team that, you know, they're off to a 6-1 and one start. We'll see if they can keep it up. Here we go. Schedule's been a little bit light early on. You know, now they've lost Patrick Williams for the season, which is a huge blow. By the way, by the way, Derek Jones Jr. came in, did a marvelous job. Marvelous yeah. job in that in that uh in that game in Boston. Just getting filling the the lane, playing defense, you know, coming up with big rebounds. It was a really solid performance for Derek Jones Jr. I think that uh Troy Brown was big. Tony Bradley, who I mean, we've seen him have big games before in Philly um, and with, with OKC. So, like, I feel like that's a really solid backup uh, five for them. Well, that's the thing, I think, right now, especially with uh, Patrick Williams being out. They were already a little bit small, and then you lose him. So, we'll see what they can do, you know, making up that spot, you know, when it comes to their, their front court, you know. And – it's still early. We're getting a sample size, but I mean, the Bulls are fun to watch. DeRozan has played great. And, you know, people, there was kind of this boomer bust mentality. Some people thought the Bulls could be, you know, a, a, as good as a top four team in the East. Some people thought maybe they're going to be struggling to get into the playoffs or the playing tournament. And so far, you know what? They, they play great. Screw those defensive concerns, man. Alex Caruso comes in and you're all flustered, man. You don't know what to do when he's all up in your jersey. Him and Ball. I mean, we, we've we talked about this before, man. Oh, Those yeah. guys in the backcourt just terrorizing, you know, guards on the other team. And the way that they're able to recover as well, you know, that that it's tough. And then Zach Levine has played better defensively. We saw that over the summer when he was a Team USA with his size. And if he's really locked in defensively, he can be a problem as well. And they can do a lot of switching as well. You know, I mean, Ball and Caruso, that's a natural switch on guys. But, you know, you get Zach out there and if he's, you know, dialed in defensively as well. I mean, 
that helps them out so much, you know, on that end of the court. It really does. It really does. Another Eastern Conference team that is hot right now is actually named after that. It's the Miami Heat. And I watched that game against Charlotte the other night. They're going to go play Dallas as this podcast is being recorded right now. By the way, Dallas, don't get me into Dallas. We already talked about the damn council. The leadership <laughs> council, assemble. <laughs> Not talking about that. Uh, Miami, though. God, how cohesive do they look? Oh, God, they are just fun to watch. They're connected on both ends. And I think that's the the the, the part that I enjoy the most. And, and it's also this thing, too, where Jimmy Butler looks like Jimmy Butler again. Like, Jimmy Butler didn't look like Jimmy Butler last year. Like, he he wasn't himself, I don't think so, at least. After, especially, you know, losing all that weight when he had COVID and all that stuff. This year, he he's come in and damn near been an MVP candidate for me. Well, I think when it came to COVID, plus also the wear and tear of the season in the bubble, the late season and, you know, what he put himself through in the NBA finals. He had that incredible, you know, game five where he just put the heat on his shoulders and like he had nothing left for the next game, you know, in game six. But I I think with that elongated season and then on top of that, you follow that up with COVID. Yeah, he didn't look right, but he has looked fantastic so far. And this is an engaged guy that I think he loves the makeup of this team. He, he likes where they're at. You know, he loves having, you know, Kyle Lowry out there. And, you know, the other piece of this, too, is not only are they healthy, but Tyler Hero is looking like the old MIP, Tyler Hero. And I MIP, say the sixth man of the year, one of the two. I say the old Tyler Hero. He hasn't been in the league long enough to really justify that. But the he, old Tyler. He, you know, he, last year was like an anomaly. It was like he took such a big step back. And then this season so far, he has been awesome. I mean, this dude's putting up 22 points a game coming off the bench. And everybody said, like, this is going to be like the missing piece that the Heat are really going to be contenders in the East. Tyler Hero has to be great off the bench. And he has brought the good so far. He has. Uh, and I, I think it's it's in his playmaking too. And and it's it's attacking the boards. He's not somebody that is is shying away from putting it on the floor. Uh, and you know, and he's he's actually getting inside of the perimeter. And once he does that, guys, you know, closing out on him, then then he's gonna be able to do that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like when he has that three-point threat, he's able to put it on the floor. He's so multidimensional in that aspect uh, that he's able to make things happen. And I think it helps, too, when you have a guy like Duncan Robinson still running around. I know he's had a little bit of a small, you know, short start. Uh, but, like, with Kyle Lowry also being a threat to to shoot in the trail or get to the, to the paint. Like, Kyle, too, has been playing with a bum elbow. So that like explains some of his his offensive shortcomings as far as a shooter goes. But he's setting the table for these guys. Jimmy's setting the table for these guys. And then when you have Bam Adebayo ready to go underneath and and to pick up uh, the slack and to, God, he has just been a monster underneath this year. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a deadly combo. Bring in PJ Tucker, who's been a starter for them. Just extra. Feels like a Miami guy. Just this, just the way the makeup of this team is physical, nasty, gritty. Uh, it, it's just a really good combination. And then you look at the depth. I mean, I really like, you know, Max Struess. What if Max Struess is another Duncan Robinson? Who knows? Like, 
he had some really solid moments at summer league. I remember when I go to watch him in uh, Vegas this past year, um, you know, he's shown that he can hit the big shots uh, and, and had some spot starts last year as well. When everyone was hurt, uh, that guy can fill it up. Dwayne Deadman, someone who can spell Bam Adebayo, um, who's again, another, another player who can be physical and get rebounds, block shots, um, and can stretch the floor at times. So, this is a deep roster. This is a dangerous team uh, with a solid, solid coach, as we know, and a really good foundation and a team that was just in the finals two years ago. Well, sorry, not two, two seasons ago, a year ago. How about that? So like, watch out for them, man. Watch out for them. They're really tough. They are, they are really tough. good. And, you know, I, I look at them and I wonder, like, are they one solid player away from really being true. I mean, I think they're really what good. What about Victor Oladipo? That's he has what I'm set saying. Foot on the, he has a set foot on the floor. Whether it's Oladipo or it's somebody that, you know, they are able to pick up during the season, whether it's a trade or in the buyout market, that just one other person that could be in their rotation, you know, that is probably playoff tested, something like that. Because, I mean, as they are they're really They're a Tory Craig at, away. Yeah, basically, that's what they are. I really think, you know, and it's all just about like staying healthy come the postseason. Can by that point, can Kyle Lowry be fine? And, you know, Jimmy and, and Hero and Bam, that that's their big three right now. Or actually, if you put Lowry in there once he gets healthy, I mean, it could be a big four. But I mean, if those guys are clicking the way that they have been so far. They're they're going to be extremely dangerous, especially oh, yeah. you know. And I don't think we're going to see this all season, but there's still question marks right now when it comes to the Nets. They're still kind of getting their legs up, you know, under them. I mean, Durant is he's Kevin Durant, but you know, uh, Harden's off to a slow start. Some of that is you know he didn't have the off season that he wanted because he's come back from a hamstring injury. I think you know he's just kind of getting in shape. And getting his stroke back, and you know he's adjusting. He's looked goals. like himself the last few games. He def- I'll, I'll he's definitely that. gotten on track. I mean, he got to a slow start, but the last couple of games, you can see James Harden coming back. You can tell that that dude has gotten back in better shape. He's finding his rhythm right now. But you know, for a team that was the greatest offensive team in NBA statistical history last year, and to see what they've done this year, it's just like, okay, when are they going to get on track? And but I don't think it's been a you know, are they going to, it's when are they going to, and you're starting to see that, but like, Hey, we, we knew that like we expected, you know, the bucks and the nets to be the top of the East. And then there was questions about who's going to be right behind them. And the heat are showing very early on that they belong in that conversation as part of the upper echelon of the Eastern conference. One of my takes that's aging well so far at least at least two weeks into the season i'll take it i'll take it the bucks by the way are dealing with such an injury bug oh my god they don't have drew holiday drew holiday's hurt brooke lopez is hurt chris middleton just entered health and safety protocols they still don't have dante davincenzo so we'll leave that for another date i mean obviously Giannis and company should be able to carry them along i'm not saying that's not possible but they're missing some very significant pieces right now. It's a so, very, uh, very big incomplete on yes. the uh, Milwaukee Bucks early. Yes, on. incomplete. And I have no, I, I mean, when those guys come back, they'll plug and play. I don't think that's going to even take a while for them. There are no Washington Wizards. Let's just put it that way. Hey, solid wisdom. I, I, we're not going to de- delve into each team like super in depth, but I want to say just like 
Montrez Harrell and Bradley Beal are becoming my one of my favorite duos just because they're having these press conferences and and look like they just love to be teammates. And the the energy around that team is just so much loose, so much more loose than it's been in the past like five years. They've got There's some real this, pros like, that know how to play basketball, and they're having they do. fun. They they're, do. They're, I mean, you can tell. Like, it, it feels like the chains are off for some guys because, like, okay, when you talk about like Kuzma and KCP, it's not that they didn't enjoy their roles with the Lakers, but when you play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, you know that there's a certain role that you have to take on. There's a pressure. There's a pressure that as comes much as they it. don't want to admit it. Right. There's but a pressure. There is, but you can play looser, freer. And you probably have a little bit more of a green light, you know, when it comes to what the wizard system is and their role on this team, because, you know, they're going to be expected to do more when it comes to the end of the court, you know, with the Lakers, it's like, all right, play good defense and hang out on the side. And when you get an open look, we'll pass it out to you and you got to make that shot. But here, they can do a little bit more offensively. You know, there's 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 more things that they can do. It's a little bit more of a freer system, you know, and so far the Wizards have played great. They're a fun team to watch. No question. No question. I think it's got to be fair for us to to hit on the top team in the West right now, by the way. It's 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 the Jazz and it's the Warriors. But with the Jazz particularly, I just feel like this team gets no love. They never get they any never love, do. man. And they're just they just execute so well. Uh, they, they, I believe I saw a stat where they're getting the most quality shot, the most percentage of quality shots, uh, in the NBA, they're just not hitting them. So, you, I mean, if, if you keep executing the way you do and you're, you're producing quality shots, you're going to get them to fall. Uh, but even regardless with that, because of how good their defense is, they are still winning games. So what, I don't know what day of the week, uh, it's going to be when this team finally gets some damn respect. Uh, but I feel like they should be getting a, a reputation for being a very dangerous squad at this point. It's people, been three years, yeah, dude. People like, fall asleep on the jazz because, okay, when you talk about like, who's the exciting player on this team? I mean, Donovan Mitchell is a superstar, but you know, when you look at them, they're just kind of a nuts and bolts, get the job done. Kind of a team. It's kind of, it's always like the ethos of the Utah jazz. They're do you in think a they're like Spursian? Yes, I really do. And plus, okay. Like, who's the guy that you're sitting going, man, that guy's electric, and I'm going to see that highlight on whatever show because he's dunking on somebody. And he's Jordan Clarkson. This, he's doing, yeah, I mean, that's probably about as close as you're getting, you know? And it's not to say that they don't have good players or anything like that, but it's it's kind of the same old, same old when it comes to the Jazz. Like, did they make any big moves in the offseason with, like, big, exciting, splashy-name players? No, they just go out there, they play their style, and they win games i mean your big offseason addition was what rudy gay yep. <laughs> i mean <laughs> and he's got he's recovering from heel surgery right so we haven't even seen him yet i mean the biggest thing for them to me is getting uh bogdanovich back healthy and playing every game you know so yep. and, and same with mike conley but i mean that's just a team that kind of goes along they they have great chemistry they don't change their parts and I think that's why they've gotten off to a quick start again as well, because they've been good the last couple of years. I, I even said that I thought the Jazz would finish with the top record in the West. You know, when it comes to the regular season, this is what they do. They rack up regular season wins and chemistry matters in the NBA. I just feel like they could 
be like the next Bucks. I don't know. I, I know that everyone thinks that you need like that one guy. And if there is that one guy, it is obviously Donovan Mitchell. Um, but I, I just feel like I, I got good vibes around them. If they stay healthy, I got real good vibes about this team. Just the, the togetherness, you know, like we and, won't know. Until I'm, the playoffs, I'm old school. Though. I'm old yeah. school. I like team ball. Hey, the, the whole thing is though we won't know until we get to the playoffs because we can sit and go, we've seen this before. You've had a great regular season. Now show it to me in the playoffs. Cause the last how, two years. How hilarious is this? I say I love team basketball and they're dead last in assists, but that's not for not trying. It's because they're not making shots, even though they're quality shots. It's such a weird dynamic. It but is. They're also they, they move the ball. Up. Yeah. They're also holding teams to the least amount of assists per game as well. So like, right. I these mean, are drag you, out games, man. They've got the second best point differential in the NBA right now at almost 13. You know, they're playing great defense. So, I mean, it's just a matter of hitting shots. I it mean, is. they're not the only team that like that. Yeah, no, no, for sure, for sure. But that, like, I love Hassan Whiteside being their backup big. I think he's given pretty solid minutes and is, you know, erasing shots and doing a really solid job defensively. Um, you know, Eric Pascal, I thought, was a really underrated pickup for them uh, to bring in as just this, you know, wing defender, sort of three slash four uh, to come in and really get down and dirty and, and hit a couple of threes a game. You know, like I, I just like, again, I like the depth of this team. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I want to lead the, the charge on uh, respecting the jazz. That, that's, that's, that's where I'm at with that. Are you going to be skiing down the snowy slopes out there, you know, in uh, Salt Lake city with a Utah jazz flag, like respect the jazz. Let's go. <laughs> It'd be more productive than half of these protests we see out there these days. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, hey, you know what? Let, let, let me bring up this too. Yeah, and before we get out, because I want to talk about like uh, the NBA rules yes, and the changes yes, that please. we've seen to the rules. Because you know, obviously, one of the big things was let's get rid of the whole jumping into the defender. You know, drawing a foul. You know, you want to call that the 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 Trey Young rule or the James Harden rule, whatever you want to call it, but. You know, that's gone away. I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but it sure feels like teams are shooting a lot less free throws this year. It feels like the games are a lot more physical. It feels like uh, regardless of that one kind of play, that referees have swallowed the whistle a lot more and let things played out. And one other thing that, that has stood out to me so far that we started to see this change a little bit last year, I think, and I've seen more this year, the referees are calling so many more fouls on the floor that we're not seeing and ones that much. And there's some plays I'm saying going, that's an and one. You see that somebody's that's an and one. And it looks like an and one. And they show it on replay. And it's like, yeah, that's an and one. But the referees are like, no, that's on the floor. And we're seeing that so many times. But, you know, I, I think that the rules change, though, has provided for a little bit more of a, of a smoother game. But it's a little bit more physical right now because – I don't think refs are calling as many fouls. They're saying, no, play through it. Play through it. It's a classic case of some overcorrection. <laughs> of course. But here's the thing. It does make the game a lot more watchable because now these players should not be incentivized to try and get bailed out. Right. And that's it's what I, I mentioned at the top of the show. These are some really, really significant players who are not having the same amount of success because of the rule changes. It's not as herky jerky of a game, 
But at the same time, because we're not seeing as many breaks when it comes to guys going to the free throw line, but I do wonder, you know, are they, should teams be getting to the free throw line more because there are legitimate fouls? You know, there, there is a little bit of, we're swallowing the whistle maybe a little bit too much, but I guess I would rather see that than see the whistle blow every other play. It is nice to know that like certain plays can't be challenged, you know, at the end of games and things like that. Like the last five minutes, two minutes of a game seemed like it took forever. That's not happening so far this year. So that's good. And then what was the news that came out today? It was that um, competition committee um, supporting the league's new rules, officiating non-basketball moves. So, you know, they're still working on some different things when it comes to, um, what is it, like when somebody gets out on a break or whatever. Oh, take fouls. Yeah, take fouls. Yeah, no, that's huge. Those are ones that just kill momentum for a team that gets a turnover. And if there's someone in front of the person that, uh, steals the ball away, then you can just intentionally follow them without any penalty or, or else if there's not another person there, then it's a clear path foul. So yeah. they're trying to eliminate that take foul because it's lazy, but it, I mean, strategically it makes a lot of sense right now. So that's a way that you can kind of curb that. But I, I kind of like what it's done to the game though. I don't know. I I'm, I'm in a place where, you know, you know, you say that, you know, defenses aren't doing as great, but at the same time, I'm looking at these scores and I'm seeing, I'm not seeing a lot of one twenties and one thirties. Well, that Lakers Rockets game kind of balanced things out for people the other night. Cause what was that? Like a 93, 85 game or something ridiculous. Okay, and LAC last night. I mean, oh, it's man. more than missed shot. It is more than missed shots. Like it, if it I'm is. seeing finals, like one eighteen to one eleven, like with the Hawks game, one thirteen, one ten. I think that's a perfect balance. I don't want to see one hundred forty five right. to one hundred forty two. But like, you, you don't want to see in the nineties, and you don't want to see in the one forties. But that I mean, scoring obviously has gone up. I mean, you know, scoring has gone up when at the Staples Center for Laker games, it used to be you got a free, you got your free tacos if they held the other team under a hundred, and you and the Lakers won. Now it's hold them under a hundred eleven and get a win, and you get your two free tacos. <laughs> That's how much the league has changed the last couple of years. Love it, love it. But I think I do think though the lack of the the free throws and whatnot have definitely impacted that. But, you know, it's a very, the the issue is very divided. That's all I'll say. Cause when I look on Twitter, like someone called the NBA steroids era is over. Like, that, like that's what they compared it to. Um, and we're seeing like, you know, like how pitchers are more dominant in baseball. Now, maybe this is the direction it goes with basketball and you don't see as many threes and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that I just, I just I want to see a good flow. That's all I care about. It's like, let's have a good flow where it's not disrupted by ticky tack calls or anything like that. I mean, there's if, if there's a foul, obviously I want it to be called, but if it's something that it's not, you know, obvious, then let's, let's play through it. Let's get a good flow to the game and you know, let's see where it goes. Cause I think that's what we're seeing so far is a, is a better flow to the game from beginning to end. For sure. For sure. I think, I think there is more flow and I think there are ones that you need to call, but it's those, it's those hunting ones that they're trying to eliminate. And I think that they've done for the most part, a good job. And and it's funny. I actually saw a tweet. I think it was actually Nikias who sent it out, who is like, 
Okay, so the Celtics and the Lakers are in the middle. These the Bulls and the Knicks are on top, and no one's scoring anymore. You wanted nineties basketball back. <laughs> you got it. The only difference is people aren't getting their heads taken off when they get into the paint. It's true. It's true. No hand checks still. Can't can't hand check still. But no, I think I think it's been good. I think um their their heads in the right place. And a lot of these players are gonna be, you know, real touchy feely about it. But Draymond Green supported some voices support for it the other day. I mean, shoot. Why not? Why not? I mean, like, like I, he's got to be loving it because it's it's his style of play, and you know, it's a little bit more physical, and you know, there's he wants to be able to play that style of game, and he want he wants to be able to play defense and not have everything called. And I think there's some other people that would, you know, agree with that. There's there's obviously going to be some people like, hey, I've gotten this call in the past, and they're not getting it now. Maybe they shouldn't have gotten it in the past. So there's a little bit of an adjustment period, I think, that's still going on, and we'll see where we're at by the end of the season. Right, and we'll end on this note, actually. Uh, some players are talking about the new ball. So here we go again. Here we go again. Paul George brought it up last night against the Thunder. Um, you, you know, we look at some of the shooting percentages uh, of some stars that are down, particularly Damian Lillard, by the way. That's an interesting little storyline, and I don't want to get too far into that, but he's averaging career lows, uh, 18.3 points a game, shooting under 35% and 23% from the three-point line. Um, he's sticking with it. He's fine. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe the, the ball is just an excuse because there are a lot of players that are still shooting the ball quite well, like his teammate, CJ McCollum, who's, again, off to an amazing start. But keep an eye on that one. Remember, they changed to Wilson, so we'll see what happens there. Who knows? Well, it, it's not like it was years ago when they changed the ball and players, including Steve Nash, complained about it because they said it was cutting up their fingers. You know, <laughs> they dribbled and whatnot. So they, he, yeah, they he just says it's a back. little heavier. That, yeah, that, that, yeah. That, that's what he said. Right. And, and you know, hey, players got to get used to it. But, I mean, hey, they're working with Wilson to say, hey, like, look, maybe let's change the ball a little bit, like, in this direction or whatnot. So, it's something that's going to be fluid, but yeah, it's it, it's funny that you sit there and go, man, it's just a slight change, but players are accustomed to certain things, you know, and you know, creatures had, of habit. There's thousands and thousands of thousands of reps, and one little thing changes and it can throw you off, and, and you got to get used to it. You got to adjust. No question. No question. All right, Brian, I think we're good, right? Right? Yeah, I think we're good. Nothing else going on around in the world of sports at all. You know, anything involving uh, my Browns or anything like that. We're all just on the same page. We are happy, sunshiny over here. I do like that your team knows how to put banners in. Yeah, banners in the right place in the end zone. When it comes to, was it? uh, I know you saw my tweet. I know know you saw my tweet. I had that waiting. I had that waiting. That was my cover photo. When you have the three banners that spell out dog pound and they can't. Jeepa do wound. Yeah, you can't put them in the right order. That's a problem. Oh yeah, that's that that's from 2000. I want to say that was 2016. But oh, I thought had that was that last my, week. <laughs> oh no 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 no. We're not. I don't. We, I, I just said we're going back to those times. We're right. going back to those times. Good good times. When people are putting on the dog mask to like hide their face and not support the team. Not there yet. Not there yet. We're still no. 500. Still in the thick of things. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Hey, okay. solid job by Justin Fields last week. By the way. 
Good on you. Uh, not by Good his offensive you. line. And I wish the Bears had changed the locks while uh, Matt Nagy was out. Um, but uh, apparently they did not. And they're going to allow him back in the building. Solid, solid times, solid times. Oh, and, and also right before we get out, I swear to God, we're going to get out. But Cavs and Lakers, really solid game there. That was a um, very good game. And a solid trip for Cleveland, by the way. Three and two on a very grueling West Coast road trip that ended with a victory also coming back over to the East and beating Charlotte um, with a really solid performance. They've got a little something cooking there. And I'll have something on there for basketballnews.com uh, in the in the coming week here um, on that because I, th- I think they deserve a little bit of love. And um, I think I'm the one that uh, can supply that love. You should. So. so. Wrap your arms around it and make out with that team. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get out of here. We are keeping it 94. We are brought to you by basketballnews.com. Of course, we have a great podcast network. Other ones to listen to, of course, the Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr., the Alex Kennedy Podcast. We have our newest podcast on basketballnews.com, Nothing But Bets. It's a daily gambling podcast hosted by Evan Sidery, and he is including our newest partner, prize picks on there so make sure you check out his articles he'll have picks for you every single day and he has that podcast as well dishes and dimes are back they have their first episode in quite a uh, quite a while so make sure to go check that out and of course the rematch for the ton thomas big time guest there sat down with gilbert arenas yes agent zero on with our own Eton thomas to talk about everything uh, and that is on our youtube channel that is on our website so make sure you check that out don't want to miss that one. That is a, a really solid one. And of course, if you want to subscribe, rate, and review all of those, do the same for us. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. And of course, on basketballnews.com, as I mentioned before. Once again, basketballnews.com, best articles you'll find in basketball. We've got film breakdowns, we've got player interviews, we have player articles. Really fun stuff. I promise. Not just talking us up for talking us up. Hopefully you'll see one from me and Nasir Little as the Blazers are in town here in Cleveland. So that is, again, uh, another one that's on deck. But, uh, yeah, until our next episode for Brian Fritz, I am Spencer Davies. You have a great night or a great morning, whatever you're listening. (laughs) 